told a lot of stories over the years, over 30 years in ministry, and I asked my family what was the best one. It got me in trouble with my wife, but she gave me permission to go into the archives and tell it. We were celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary, Christmas time 2005, went to New York City, and on the way home, we stopped in Boston to watch the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Boston Bruins play. And there was some drama going on around us. A couple in front of us were fighting, and Pat was more interested in that than the hockey game. And that was annoying me a bit. And then she said, I want some popcorn. So between periods, I went to get her some popcorn. But I entrusted her with my program. This is a souvenir program that you want to keep in pristine shape. So she took the program. I went and got her popcorn, came back to the seat. And here she is sitting on my program because she's watching what's going on in front of her. And she's knitting at the hockey game. And apparently I said there was this huge bum print, and I guess I had my hands like this, this in my <laughs> program. I meant to say a small crease, but it just grew because I was more frustrated at the time. Now, what is your favorite story in the Bible? Many of you might actually say, well, Daniel in the lion's den. The account of the Old Testament character of Daniel is one we all know. And last week, we looked at Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. And that was where Jesus prayed that the kingdom would come. And we talked about the fact that we want to have his kingdom come here on earth. We want to see his will be done. And we want to see it done like nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. We want to see Jesus' kingdom come. Now, this comes as no shock to many of us. But seeking God's kingdom means that we're going to be at odds with other kingdoms in this world. And as Peter has mentioned, prayer is a threat to those other kingdoms. And the king of the most powerful nation on earth couldn't get Daniel out of his predicament. But we're going to see the power of God on display. Now Daniel is getting up there in age. If you've ever looked into your children's Bible and you see maybe a picture of Daniel in the lion's den, he looks like the group up here in the front row, maybe a teenager, maybe a young adult. But Daniel is 80 years or older by this time. He has been advisor to three of the most powerful rulers in the world, two different world powers. And there's now a new king, and it's Darius the Mede. And Daniel is already in this group of three or four of the king's top advisors. And the king really likes him. So then in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. And because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So even though Darius wasn't a believer in Daniel's God, he trusted Daniel. He saw something in Daniel that was different than everybody else. He saw his integrity. He saw his loyalty. And he noticed the man's faith. So he wanted to promote Daniel. Now, who do you think is going to be most upset over all of this? 
well, of course, it's going to be the other three or four advisors with him. Like, whenever someone experiences individual advancement, other people get jealous. So Daniel's influence has really grown. He started out as a slave, then he became an exile, and now he's actually number two in this whole kingdom. And so here's the first truth that we're going to see. Advancement brings opposition, like, so we need to be prepared. As you experience a promotion or maybe a blessing comes your way in your life, with it are going to come some challenges and some added pressure, and we need to expect that. Because in those days, a king would delegate almost all of his responsibilities to the one who was second in command. So that's what Daniel is doing here. He is dealing with some pretty powerful stuff. And it appears as if God's hand is on him, and it appears as if nothing can go wrong. But sometimes, that's when we find ourselves the most vulnerable, especially to criticism or opposition. And that's the case with Daniel. He has some jealous and envious co-workers that want to see him fall. So in verse 4, because of this, the other supervisors and governors tried to find reasons to accuse Daniel about his work in the government, but they could not find anything wrong with him or any reason to accuse him because he was trustworthy and not lazy or dishonest. So they did what we have a phrase in English for. They tried to destroy him by digging in his closet, by airing dirty laundry, by trying to find something in his past that they could use against him. But there was only one problem. They couldn't find anything. They, they couldn't bring any accusations against him. And the man's been in public service for decades, yet there were no faults financial claims, there were no questionable business deals, there were no accusations from any of his staff. Daniel did his job with integrity. He wasn't lazy, he wasn't dishonest. So in other words, he did his work with excellence. And so they decide, okay, if we're going to bring this guy down, it's not going to be through the way he lives his life. We're going to have to attack him through his faith in some way. So Daniel's co-workers, they come up with a plan, and they go to the king, and they actually appeal to the king's vanity. So now we're down in verse 6. So the supervisors and governors went as a group to the king, and they said, King Darius, live forever. The supervisors, assistant governors, governors, the people who advise you, and the captains of the soldiers have all agreed that you should make a new law for everyone to obey. For the next 30 days, no one should pray to any other god or human except to you, O king. Anyone who doesn't obey will be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, make the law and sign your name to it so that it cannot be changed. Because then it will be a law of the Medes and Persians and cannot be canceled. So King Darius signed the law. So they approached the king, 
and they lie because they say, we've all agreed on this. Well, Daniel was, is one of them. He hasn't agreed on it. It's like the original manager of the gas station right across the street. When it opened, they weren't given permission to actually be open on Sunday mornings. There were two churches here, and they didn't want them interfering with the church traffic, which is pretty nice of the city, actually. But then a few months later, the manager came to see me. He said, you know, it would be really convenient if we could open at 10 o'clock. I spoke to the pastor at the church up the street, and they're fine with it. And, and I said, well, just let me think about it. I went up and I talked to the other pastor, and he said, no, I never told him it was okay. He told me that you said it was fine. So this guy was working against both of us. So that's what they're doing here with the king. They lie to him. And then the king signs this into law, and according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, this law could never be undone. But as you read this story, one of the things you notice is that Daniel never seems to get caught off guard by any of this. He's not surprised by it, and he just kind of takes it in stride. His years of experience prepared him for this. And he knows that when you're operating in the will of God, he knows that when you're in tune with God through prayer, that there will be opposition. But his faith in God and his prayer life enable him to realize that God is still in control. So Daniel knows that God can be trusted even through this opposition. Now, a lot of us get in trouble when opposition comes because we haven't prepared for it especially when life's good, and we think, you know, that's never going to happen to me. I've been in hospital rooms with so many people, and they will say, I never thought that would happen to me. I never thought I would get that diagnosis. Or I talk to people who have been in a divorce attorney's office, and they say, I never thought this would happen to me. Or I'm standing by a grave as a casket is being lowered into the ground, and they would say, I never thought that this would ever happen to my family. The opposition is coming, so be ready for it. See, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And he doesn't say, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when Peter was writing to Christians around the world, he said that here in 1 Peter 4, verse 12, my friends, do not be surprised at the terrible trouble which now comes to test you. Do not think that something strange is happening to you. So opposition is coming. So we need to make certain that we live consistent lives and that we're living the same way day in and day out. Now, even though Daniel knows that this law has been written, even though he's aware of the consequences of that law, he goes into the same room in his house that he prays in three times a day. He opens the window because that window enables him when he gets down on his knees to pray facing towards Jerusalem. And then his cohorts, they come sneaking around the corner. They're just watching and they're waiting. Now, they didn't have a cell phone to take a picture, so, but they still watched what he was doing. They heard him pray to the Lord God, and then they rush off like little children to see the king. And then they say, uh, O king, didn't you sign a law that says no one should pray to any other god or human for the next 30 days? 
or they would be thrown into the lion's den? And the king answered, yes, that is the law. And the laws of the Medes and Persians cannot be revoked. And then they said, well, this Daniel, who's one of the captives from Judah, he's not paying attention to you at all. He's in his room three times a day, down on his knees, praying to the Lord God. And the king became very upset, upset because he liked Daniel and he wanted to save Daniel. And he worked hard until sunset, trying to think of some way to save him, but he wasn't able to do it. So the new law has passed. Is Daniel going to pray? Oh, yes. Is he ever going to pray? Is he willing to get into serious trouble and face the consequences? You bet he is. And notice that this isn't just some criticism from friends. It's not letters being sent to him and people telling him, you know, he needs to do better. It's not people talking behind his back. This is life and death, but he's up to the challenge. Now, there's a similar story in the New Testament, and it's where Peter and the apostles, they're standing before some religious leaders, and in Acts 5.29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. They've been threatened not to speak about Jesus in public, and that's their response They have the same attitude as Daniel. Like, I'm just going to keep praying. I'm just going to keep sharing my faith. And the amazing thing is that Daniel could have just gone into another room. He could have just gone off to the side where he wouldn't be seen, and he could have prayed. He didn't have to do it three times a day. He could have just had a quick little prayer to begin his day. But you know what? If you love God and know that he is the true living God, then why change your practices? And that's what he felt. Like, why change my practice for this law? So he continues to do things the same way. So was he up for the challenge? That 10th verse, which I had in as a part of that last story, reads, three times each day, Daniel would kneel down to pray and thank God. And here's the key, just as he always had done. So this was a habit for him. Now this past Friday morning, Greg Nicholson was cheerful and talkative first thing in the morning and annoyed his wife, just as he had always done. I can contain it sometimes, but then there are days when she's had a really rough night's sleep, and for some reason, I'm more cheerful and I'm more talkative on those mornings. So Daniel prayed three times a day, just as he had always done. Now, I know this isn't true for a lot of you, but growing up in a Christian home gives us an amazing start in the Christian life. We see the prayer life modeled. We see uh, reading God's word regularly. We see all of that modeled. And the habits that we've been practicing come into play when the pressure is on. They become evident at that time. And the pressure is on Daniel right now. I use sports analogies, and a lot of you say, I don't do sports, I don't know sports. But basketball is loved by the Filipino community, and we have at least 50 Filipinos here. So this is an okay story. But, like Part of the game of basketball, which is a team sport, is this thing called a free throw. And 
That happens when you're trying to score a basket and the other team fouls you. So you get to stand on what they call the free throw line. It's probably 12 feet from the basket. Nobody jumps at you. Nobody flails their arms in your face. And you just get to quietly try and sink the basket. But 20,000 people are looking at you. And the pressure's on. And some of these players, they practice and they practice and they practice. So when they stand on that free throw line, it's just automatic. I just wonder, how do they do it? They just flick their wrists and they score a basket. But some of the others, they don't spend so much time on that. And they'll have a 50% success rate. Habits become important when the pressure is being faced. And one of the reasons why we're stressing prayer during this 10-week period is that we want HCC to be a place where everybody practices the habit of prayer so that when issues arise in your life, the automatic thing for you will be to just go to God in prayer. That will be your response. So Daniel shows what his faith is made of. And it reveals the practices and habits that he's been forming. And if we are that same way, then if we're strong in our faith, then our habits will be revealed as well. There will be a consistency that you don't bluff your way through. Because day after day, Daniel makes God-honoring decisions. Daniel went straight home. He prayed as he always had. And the temptation for us is sometimes to just kind of hide our faith a little bit. Maybe we'll stick with the habits of everyone else, but not those things which really put us closer to God, like reading God's Word on a regular basis, like praying, like sharing our faith, like going to other godly Christians and seeking their advice. When we do those things, we determine that we are going to allow God's will to be evident in our lives. But more importantly, we build up a consistency and that says, this is how I'm going to act in the good times and in the bad times. Challenges bring testing. So we need to be thankful. You know, and it's hard to think of a more dramatic test than what Daniel is facing here. Like Daniel is choosing between being faithful to God or losing his life. And with every big challenge, there's a test that shows what our faith is really made of. For Joseph, it was that moment when Potiphar's wife, his boss's wife, grabbed him by the coat and said, come to bed with me. For Abraham, it was when he was climbing that mountain to sacrifice his son Isaac. And his son goes, father, like, where's the animal for the sacrifice? For Moses, it was when he was standing at the shores of the Red Sea and he had Pharaoh's army charging after he and the nation of Israel. For Noah, it was then he prepared that first plank for something called an ark. For David, it was when he walked into the military camp to bring a lunch to his brothers and he hears the giant Goliath cursing God and cursing all of the Israelite people. For Gideon, it was when he was told that he was to take 300 soldiers and go and attack the enemy. These are challenges, but they're more than that. It's a test of who the person really is and if their faith is real. Now, your tests might not be that dramatic, 
but they will show what your faith in God is made of. They will show whether you're in constant communication with the creator of the universe through prayer or whether you aren't. So Daniel understands the power of prayer. He understands what tests really mattered. So in verse 16, so King Darius gave the order and Daniel was brought in and thrown into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God that you serve continually rescue you. Now that word continually could also be translated forever. So even the king recognizes Daniel's faithfulness, recognizes his prayer life. And then in 17, a big stone was brought and placed over the opening of the lion's den. Then the king used his signet ring and the rings of his royal officers to put special seals on the rock. This ensured that no one would move the rock and bring Daniel out. Years ago, Charles Stanley was struggling with some opposition, and during that time, an elderly woman in his congregation spoke to him at the end of the worship service, and she said, Pastor Stanley, could you come over to my apartment for a few minutes after the service? There's just something I would like to show you. So he went with her, and what she wanted to show him was a picture on her wall in her living room of Daniel in the lion's den. And then she said, tell me what you see in that picture. So he looked at it and he said, well, I see Daniel standing there with his hands behind his back and I see the lions and it just looks like they're moving in and out around him. And then she said, well, look a little closer. What else do you see? And he looked and he looked and he said, I don't see anything else. And then she said, look at Daniel. Look at his eyes. Where is he looking? And he was looking up at God. He wasn't looking at the lions around him in fear that they were going to eat him. He was looking up at the God that was going to protect him. His prayers were directed toward God, so he didn't panic. He had faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I want that kind of faith in my life. I want that kind of faith in our church. So I've been asking myself, What is it going to take to give us such faith? For Daniel, it was simply this. He believed God, and whether the lions ate him or not, it didn't matter. He knew that God could be trusted. So faithfulness is rooted in the believability of God. Now, the king doesn't have the same faith that Daniel has. He loves Daniel. He's worried about him. The king doesn't sleep a bit that night, and he doesn't order for any entertainment to be brought to him. He doesn't order any food to be brought in. He just spends the whole night worried about Daniel. And then in verse 20, it says, as he came near the den, he was worried. He called out to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has the God you always worship been able to save you from the lions? So as soon as the sun comes up the next morning, he rushes out to see if Daniel is okay. The testing brings opportunity, so we need to be ready for those opportunities. The Apostle Paul said, make the most of every opportunity. So what tests actually do is show how you are progressing. Now, you guys up at the front here, I know you go through tests in school, and that's a way of seeing how well you are adapting, how well you're learning the subject that you're studying. 
We go through a lot of different times of testing in our own lives. But tests have a way of preparing us. You know that the God I pray to has spared me. That's what Daniel's response was. So they bring Daniel up out of the lion's den. There's an incredible reunion. But now the king, he's furious at those other leaders who came up with this plan, and they tricked him into making that law. So verse 24, Then the king commanded that the men who had accused Daniel be brought to the lion's den. They, now get this, they, their wives, and their children were thrown into the den. So the king is really ticked off. And the lions grabbed them before they even hit the floor of the den and crushed their bones. Now that last part is frightening, but I'm glad that last part of the verse is there. Because people who are skeptical about God, skeptical about Christianity, could say, well, the lions were fed so much in that day, leading to when Daniel was thrown in there, that they didn't have the, uh, the sense to even eat a bit more. That's what happened, and it wasn't really a miracle. But God says, uh-uh, let me make certain that people centuries later will understand that this was a miracle. All because of the fact that Daniel was faithful in prayer, that he was willing to go through a time of testing, and that he saw his testing as an opportunity for God. Daniel didn't see the obstacles. He saw the opportunities. Now, we all face testing. And at our men's life group this week, we talked about the fact that in our country, like that testing isn't going to be the loss of our lives, but it can come in the form of unfair pressure and intimidation from superiors at work. Or it could be an unbelieving spouse that makes fun of us when we go to church on Sunday. It could be embarrassment from peers or maybe from a professor when they hear that we, you actually believe in God and the ridicule just carries on from that. And then sometimes it gets worse and it moves into the area of physical ailments and disease. Like one middle-aged woman who had been diagnosed with cancer and through that ended up becoming a Christian said, if it weren't for my cancer, I never would have known to come, Jesus Christ. So what appeared to be the destruction of her body actually led to the salvation of her soul. Testing brings opportunity. So in 2 Corinthians 7, Paul wrote, For the king, excuse me, the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. And then in the Proverbs, Solomon wrote, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. And that is so true, isn't it? When you pray and when you find yourself in the will of God, the storms are going to come. And maybe you're even in a storm here this morning. The rain is falling hard, and you came here hoping that you could find some type of protection. The opposition is here. And for some of you, maybe that storm hasn't come yet, but it will. It will come someday. 
Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 5 that God sends rain on the just and the unjust. And when the rain comes, you better be prepared like, because you're going to be surrounded by lions. And like Daniel, this is going to be an opportunity for God, for you to give glory to him and for you to be faithful to him. Maybe what I'm talking about here this morning is foreign to you. You don't even have a relationship with God, and you have some questions about that. Like, you can just come and talk to me here at the front as we sing. You can speak to me after. We can make some arrangements to meet together. Talk to someone at the Welcome Center. But don't leave from here without wondering what it means to live in the will of God and surrender yourself totally to him.